All right, you guys, we are rolling into another episode of Return, and today we want to start, uh, this is going to be the first episode of a mini-series on which we want to talk about the judgments of God, um, probably touch on the wrath of God, and why it's necessary. And so in this first episode, we're wanting to just lay some of the basics, and we want to talk about uh, the depravity of man. I know, really lighthearted subject for this episode, but lots to get to, so let's jump right in. Okay, the depravity of man. What an intense subject and lots to say about it, and I, I do... I mean, obviously, there's a lot of scriptures to pull from, and this is, I think, part of just basic Christian belief, but as we've been seeing recently in news and social media, um, a lot of these things are under attack, and even the fact that man, you know, was born with original sin or stuff like that, and so that's kind of what we want to talk about today is why God's judgments are necessary and uh, looking at it specifically with our depravity. Yeah, and our premise also is to marry two words, two parts of the character of God in the same person without any conflict. Yeah. And it's that God is good, uh, which is uh, 1 John, I think it's chapter 1, verse 5, says that these are the good news of the gospel that God is light, there's no darkness at all in him, that he's good, that there's good in him because he is the definition of goodness. So if you put that together and then you say that God is a judge and that God judges and that God has wrath inside of him, you can put those two things in the same phrase, in the same person, in the same God, and there's beauty in both of them. There's no inconsistency in the two. And actually, the fact that God has wrath against sin and wickedness, that makes him good. Mm -hmm. Because that's one of the things that the Father, we see in Psalm 45, according to um, Hebrews 1, says that is the Father singing that song towards Jesus. And the Father is saying, you're the most beautiful man because you and you're actually the happiest because you hate wickedness and Mm -hmm. you love righteousness. So the fact that God has wrath appointed towards sin, wickedness, and unrighteousness makes him, it's part of the definition of that God is good. Yeah. And uh, we've seen this trend that in the body of Christ, it's a trend, it's not the majority, but it's a trend that they want to separate the judgments of God with his goodness. And that, that is not the gospel and that, that's not the God that we see in mm-hmm. all the New Testament. I think God's goodness, it has to be in correlation with his justice because if if God doesn't make wrong things right, then he can't be called good per se. Yeah. And so like even the fact that uh, Psalm 89, 14 talks about how righteousness and justice are the foundations of God's thrones, which means like just the very basic thing of what she rules from is righteousness and justice. And like you said uh, in Psalm 45, that he loves 
he loves righteousness and he hates wickedness. And I think there's a lot in that, that, that can be unfolded because it's incredible how in our own hearts, it's like, I'll, I'll say this for me. It's like, I love, I love Jesus and, and I want to love righteousness, but it's incredible how much in my flesh I actually love wickedness instead. And that's the thing is, is in our, in our just humanity, we're prone to love things that are in darkness that are not, you know, that aren't good in the core. Um, and so that's part of it is that how much in our human propensity do we actually walk towards, you know, wickedness and, and loving wickedness more than loving righteousness. Yeah. And our part of the propensity of our flesh also is to tolerate, to tolerate and never confront which is the opposite of the character of God. God has to oppose the wicked for his repentance and to bring judgment against the sin that is hindering the fullness of that person. A person, when we are walking in a, in a sin constantly, when we are bound and slaves to a sin, God is doing, God will do anything possible to stop us, to shake us, not to destroy us, but to destroy the sin, to expose it, because we're not living in fullness. Mm -hmm. And that's actually one of the things that Jesus said in Sermon on the Mount in chapter 5 of Matthew. He said, um, blessed are the peacemakers because they will be called sons of God. And peacekeeper is tolerance, and it doesn't involve a confrontation. And it's, that's the definition of goodness right now in this generation. It's like, leave him alone. That's his life. Love him. And that's peacekeeper, which is don't confront, just tolerate so everyone is at peace, but at the superficial level. But God is calling us to be peacemakers. Peacemakers is when you bring a judgment or when you bring a situation to the light to bring real peace. The one that lasts. Reconciliation. Yeah, reconciliation is like when we have a problem, we can either ignore it and keep kind of be angry at each other and keep it for days and weeks and just don't talk about it. But we don't have real fellowship. Mm -hmm. But if we want to be peacemakers, we have to stop and we have to say, you know what? What you did was wrong. You sinned against me or I did it against you. We go deep. We cut the superficial wound and we go to the root and then we actually can be healed. Mm -hmm. And that is the point. That is the um motivation of God's justice and righteousness. He is a, a doctor, a healer. He is a savior. Mm -hmm. And a savior doesn't allow you to rot from the inside out. So if God wasn't a judge, he will be a very tolerant, bad doctor that sends you home knowing that you have cancer. But it's like, I don't want to give him the good news. Let's just, you know, let's have a lollipop and, you know, yeah, you're fine. You know, and, um, but, but that's what's happening right now in this generation. And, and the depravity of man is really serious. Our depravity as fallen people, is it was really serious in Genesis 3 and is really serious right now. And I think when we don't grasp the severity of what we did in the garden and in every generation, it's easy for us to judge God's judgments. Mm -hmm. So something that also sticks out to me, though, is how the God's judgment and his wrath is in 
proportion to our human sinfulness, to our mm-hmm. depravity. And something that I actually, uh, that like really tells us about how just God is, is that over and over and over in scripture, we see that it, um, it says that when he does judge the living and the dead, he's going to give each one according to his works which means that God will only judge us according to the things that we've done and that we've chosen for ourselves. And his, his judgments are going to be completely fair in that way because he says, okay, this is what you chose. And I set before you much like he did even to Adam and even the garden, I set before you life and death and yet you had the option. And so his judgments are according to what we choose. And, um, I mean, that goes all the way from whether we choose sinful things or to whether we choose Christ. Because that's what I love is that the wrath of God is on the earth because from Adam, we've chosen wrong time and time and time again. We've chosen death. And so the wrath of God has been there abiding and, and waiting and patient because we know from Second Peter that the Lord... Uh, desires to show mercy and so he's long suffering uh not desiring that anyone should perish but that all should come to the love of the truth but what happens is that when we believe in jesus and when we believe in what he did on the cross the wrath of god fell on jesus for us so that we're no longer under the wrath of god and yet anyone who does not choose to receive jesus the wrath of god still abides on him And so that's part of it is God's justice is just in and of itself because at the core of it is he's giving us what we choose. We can choose life in Christ or we choose death, which is following the way of of Adam. But yeah, so can God just judge after the cross? And the response is yes. Can he judge us? In a way, he has to. He has to because we have the judgment seat of Christ, which is he's, eva- he's going to evaluate our works. Mm-hmm. Even when we are not subjects of the wrath of God anymore. It's not, judgment is not the same as wrath. Mm-hmm. Wrath is appointed to the wicked ones and wickedness. Once we are in, 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 uh, covered by the blood of Jesus in the, in the covenant with God, we are not on the, under his wrath. He can judge us. He can still do it, do it mostly through leaders, through friends, through marriage, through people to judge the things that are, you know, hindering love. But it mm-hmm. doesn't mean that he's condemning us to hell. Yeah. So that's a different, there's different levels. That's why it's not so easy to say God is good. God doesn't judge. It's like, well, wait a minute. What are you talking about? Because judgment can be positive too, in the yeah. sense of a giving of reward. It's like a judgment is like a verdict of what you've you know, chosen or decided and the verdict can be positive. Absolutely. And, but also let's say what happens in, in Kansas city, we have, let's say there's 2 million people in Kansas city and 500,000 are believers that love Jesus under the blood of Jesus. Can God judge Kansas city? Well, yeah, because there's a difference. You can be living a corporate or individual revival in Kansas city but God at the same time can judge the city and bring a big judgment because it, and it, it both can happen at the same time. And, and we can develop that more later, later on. Episodes, yeah. But um, so God judges a geographic area related to th- three main things. Number one, 
sin. Number two, the shedding of innocent blood, which was in Genesis 9. And God has to, God demands the shedding of blood that shed the innocent blood. So mm -hmm. abortion and murdering one another or just, you know, all the violence, it's it's a magnet of the judgment of God, even in the same city that I revived church. And then number number three is, is the agreement with perversion and related to laws, the lawmakers and the governors who, who are legislate, uh, legislators or doing laws. If they're according or in agreement to the word of God or against the word of God, God judges the land because of that. And again, that if we can di differentiate those two things, that you can be in a personal revival in covered with the blood of Jesus, ready to be in heaven and do signs and wonders, but, but you live in a wicked city with wicked men and wicked government, you're going to live a revival in the middle of a judgment of God. And, and that doesn't contradict anything. Mm -hmm. So we need to know that the, the, the subject of the justice of God is not an easy subject. It's, it has layers, but it's not impossible to understand. Yeah. And also with the subject of the, of the justice and the judgments of God, the amount of passages we see in the scripture that tie, again, Jesus's beauty and, and part of the glory of his character and of his nature, it ties all of those things into his judgments. Like the verse in, uh, you'll know, Isaiah, is it 26? When your judgments are in the earth, the inhabitants learn righteousness. Mm -hmm. Meaning there's, when when God judges, we actually see his righteousness. Mm -hmm. And when we see his righteousness, we see his beauty. Yeah. He is displayed. His name is glorified and magnified. And again, we see how high and holy he is uh, and, and how depraved and broken and sinful we are uh, as humans, which is, the main thing that we were wanting to talk about a little bit is just the depravity and the, the sinfulness of man does demand a judge. It does demand that, you know, wrath would be poured out uh, yeah. because, you know, from the garden and, and to this day, it's not that Adam, you know, it's not that we blame all of our problems on Adam. The problem is, is that we choose to sin day by day by day. And, you know, just in our own choices mm -hmm. and still with that too, even the best person we know from Romans uh, three ten that no one is righteous. There's not one righteous. There's not one that can meet the standard of the holiness of God. There's not one person that, that can fulfill all the righteous requirements of the law as laid out by Moses. You know, we, the law was given by Moses to the people of Israel so that we would actually know what good and evil is. And still, if you look at just society, if you look at your own life and your own propensity, it's, you can't even get close to, to meeting those righteous requ requirements. Yeah. And so the other part of just the depravity of man is how surprising it is sometimes. Um, and I forget where it is, uh, where I believe it's Paul that talks about the mystery of iniquity. And we've talked about that phrase a couple times, uh, in this podcast, 
but just how how wicked the human heart actually is. Um, I talked about it also in one of my Theology Thursday episodes when we were looking at just the darkness of heart and how in Jeremiah it just says that the, the heart is exceedingly wicked and you, you never know it. And, and just what can happen to a person's heart put under the right pressure, put under the right circumstances or whatever, um, and, and the things that will sometimes flow out are surprising. Mm-hmm. They're surprising to us, but they're not to God. And that's the thing is, is he knows how, he knows how wicked we can choose to be. And therefore he, he, as a just judge needs to be able to evaluate, needs to be able to bring a, a just judgment for the things that we do and are capable of doing. Yeah. Yeah. When I think about what you said, the shock, the surprise of, wow, really? When they received the love of God, I always pictured this, you know, having a very, very dirty man, a homeless man that has no, no way to see nothing because he was born Look, a lot of deficiencies. He can read, he can see. And then you have a beautiful person in front of them and then that then he gets glasses for the first time and then he's able to see wow that person in front of me that helped me is so beautiful and what is this and then he looks at himself and like oh i really i'm really ugly and i really have a lot of deficiencies right now and it's like this eye opening of both things at the same time the beauty of the helper and the condition of his heart, his garment. I'm like, oh my goodness, I need to do something about this. Anyway, that's a cheesy example, but it's literally when the justice of God was revealed through the law, and even to us in the New Testament, through the whole Bible, is God revealing two things. The shock of our lives, of how dirty we are compared to the beauty of Him. But He's not like doing, He, he doesn't reveal His justice for us, for us to be disgusted about ourselves. But it's for us to want to be like him. I want to be like him. Impart me that. That's the, that is the greatest cry of the human heart. Is I want to be righteous. I want to be like you are. And therefore, the, God judges to open the eyes and shock the people of say, I'm in this condition because of my sin. And God is so righteous. And he preaches the gospel as part of that judgment to sin. So we have the, the, the whole picture. Not only, oh, I'm dark, but, but lovely, but he is beautiful and he wants to give me his justice. Mm-hmm. So that's why it's the, the, the gospel doesn't compromise judgment and the righteousness of God with, uh, with our... Um, I forgot what I was going to say. So the gospel never contradicts that God is good with his judgment and and righteousness. Yeah. I like to think of Isaiah 6 when Isaiah is having the encounter in the throne room. And it says that he sees, you know, one seated on the throne and the train of his robe fills this temple. And, you know, the seraphim are crying out, holy, holy, holy. And Isaiah is seeing the holiness of God. And it's when he sees the holiness that his own uncleanness Mm -hmm. is revealed. And he realizes, I'm 
a person of unclean lips. And also not only am I unclean, the people that I dwell in, like our, just the way we live, our conversation, the way we go about things in life is so far from the transcendence holiness of God. And yet I love that in that scene, Isaiah 6, there's the picture of what would actually happen later on where the angel comes and takes the coal and cleanses the lips of Isaiah. And what cleansed his lips, we know later on with the sacrifice of of Jesus on the cross, it actually cleanses all of us from unrighteousness so that we can actually one, dwell in the midst of that transcendence, but we can see, okay, you want me to look like you. Well, the goal of my life is to be like that, is to be yeah. holy as he is holy, to be perfect as our father in heaven is perfect. And so that's part of also, it's funny because it's the extravagant mercy of God in the midst of his judgment to give us something that we completely don't deserve which is to take us from our sinfulness and reconcile us, going back to the peacemaker, reconcile us to God. But yeah, the depravity of man, again, if you do not choose, if you do not choose to believe in what Jesus did, you are already under the wrath of God. It's already remaining on you. And the Lord is just patiently waiting and waiting until the day where we know that he says he will judge the earth. Yeah. And we know that, um, I think it's Daniel 8, 23 and 24, that the trans, the scene of the transgressors, so meaning humanity, will come to a climax and culmination in, at the end of the age. We believe we're looking at the beginning of it in these last years. And God is going to have to release judgment again. So can God judge after the cross? Yes, he has and he will. Mm-hmm. And he's going he's gonna to finish iniquity. He, that, I love that part. It's offensive to my heart, but makes me, number one, say thank you. Like you are a savior. Like salvation is not like, oh, that's something I already learned when I was five years old. No, salvation takes another level of thankfulness forever. Mm-hmm. It's like, thank you, Lord. And we, you will always have your scars, so we will always remember that yeah. you are a Savior. You really saved us because we deserve every single ounce of judgment. But also uh, makes me want to um, pray for mercy for my country, for my city, for the for for the people who done yeah. like God is going to release is the is the Lamb of God is not even the Lion of the tribe of, of Judah who is releasing the judgments is the Lamb of God is the is the humble meek sacrificial Lamb that gave everything for us the tender one is the one releasing the judgments and heaven is in agreement saying you're worthy to do it. Like you, it's right that you do it. It's not, there's no church in heaven when, when the culmination of sin happens in a generation, no one in heaven is saying, oh Lord, like you are good. Remember, you don't have to do that. Everyone is like, yes, because we can trust you. You're not doing it in your anger, like a angry dad and in like partial. No, you're an impartial meek lamb. Mm-hmm. Therefore, we can trust you with the, the, the judgments of God. 
So can God judge? Yes. Why? Because of the wickedness of man. And that only exalts what Jesus did on the cross. Yeah. I think we'll wrap up this first episode there because there's a lot more that can be said on this. I have other thoughts flowing through my mind of uh, verses that we could say, but we'll save it for maybe the next one. Yeah.